You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All doing fine. We hope you are all doing well on this particular Tuesday evening. Because it is a Tuesday evening, it's right at 8.00 now, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are live for another Blogging the Boys roundtable. You can watch this show live on the Blogging the Boys YouTube channel or the Blogging the Boys Twitch channel. Uh, you can also catch the rewatch at your own particular convenience. You can also listen to this show on the Blogging the Boys podcast network. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating, write a review. Uh, however you access Blogging the Boys content, whether that's articles on our website, our podcasts, our videos, our social content, whatever the case may be, you will see, hear, and read the fine work of the gentleman joining me here tonight. My name is RJ Ochoa. We will go in clockwise order. The audio audience obviously cannot see that, but who cares? Chris Holling, you are in the uh, the early bird spot here this evening. Do you feel special uh, for that? Yeah, you know, I came in early. I tried to put the work in beforehand, so we'll see if it pays off. Yeah, Chris has been lifting weights uh, while you two were lollygagging. In fact, Brandon, he had just put them down and you walked in. You're wearing a, a mustard yellow hoodie. Uh, are you representing a particular brand or cause? Because that's not Syracuse Orange. No, nah, it's actually Oswego, SUNY Oswego, home of Al Roker. He's, that's, that, I'm an alumni of Oswego. I'm a proud Syracuse fan, but uh, Division One why Syracuse uh, sports is where it's at. Okay. I mean, you got to have a high level of pride in something to wear mustard yellow. So respect. That was um, the uh, my high school colors were uh, they were brown and gold, but the, the gold wound up uh, mustard yellow way more often. So imagine mustard yellow and brown. Um, our graduation gowns were brown. It was awful. Um, it was it was literally as bad as you think it was, uh, just to be very clear. Uh, David Howland, um, I don't know how bad you think it was. Uh, what were your high school colors? My high school colors were blue and white, so it really fit in with with being a Cowboys fan. Me too. It was just very, very easy for me. Um, yeah, well, good for you. What was your high school mascot? How about that? The Wolves. So also works well with my favorite player, Leighton Vander Esch, the Wolf. That's hockey. That's right. Um, in case anybody is new around here, these roundtables are competitions. There will be a winner. Uh, so we do have an updated score that we put on the screen throughout the night. Of course, goose eggs for everybody as we get started, including the wolf, uh, Mr. David Howman. However, uh, well, Andrew, by the way, notes uh, that there's an Astros jersey hanging in the background. That's right. Hell yeah, there is, Andrew. Watch out. I know a lot of you, though, are probably watching uh, the Texas Rangers, who are off to quite the start in game three uh, against the Baltimore Orioles. But um, I like the Baltimore Orioles colors a lot, especially it's nice when they're playing this time of year. You got the, the black and orange. It's Halloween-y, whatever. Uh, but on the subject of colors, uh, Kevin has given you five points, Brandon. Uh, Kevin says plus five for Brandon for the yellow. Dallas played like a bunch of cowards with no heart on Sunday. Um, and Jay Millard has given five points to you, Chris, for walking away without a concern for the show uh chris you did just walk off camera how many you turned your camera off um what's the deal chris i mean you get out of here no 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 i was turning off my ac because it was getting a little loud and you know i didn't want it to interrupt my facts that i was going to be dropping pretty soon so okay and how many you turned your camera off for a good reason i presume yeah i'm i'm, uh, I'm hearkening back in, in honor of how bad the cowboys defense was i'm hearkening back to mike nolan because i think i just got hot sauce in my eye 
and I was wow. trying to trying to fix it off camera, but we're just gonna roll with it. Uh, well, keep your camera on because it's earning you points. Rick gave you five for wearing a Cowboys jersey. Um, and I'm not going to do this, Hellman, but or, or Chris, but Rex uh, took two points away from you for wearing the Tony Romo backwards style hat. You might be too young to remember that that was a real thing, Chris, that people were really – maybe you don't – do you know that people were actually upset that Romo wore his hat backwards on the sideline? I do, I do, and you know, maybe you know, if we had Tony Romo, you know, it may have been. Oh gosh, okay, we're, okay. Let's chill out. Let's let's calm down before anybody says something we don't mean. Um, we'll get to our kind of prompt for the night, but I do think this is the kind of roundtable that requires a bit of an opening statement for everybody, or from everybody rather, um, especially because the prompt I, that I gave these gentlemen, I said I would just want you to send me a list of things that you're pissed off about. Um, who who thinks or who, who does anybody think had the longest list? How many? Who's your guess? Um, honestly, I think it was me. Cause I, I had a lot of things. I started making the list and I was like, wow, I didn't realize how angry I was. Okay. So, uh, you think it was yourself. Um, Chris, who do you think had the longest list? I felt like my list was pretty short, honestly, RJ. <laughs> so I'm going to go with, uh, I'm gonna go with David as well. Um, okay. The rare David drop, by the way, I don't know what kind of relationship you all have. Uh, you are at 75% of the writer's block, which everybody heard obviously earlier today on Tuesday. Brandon, who do you think had the longest list? we got two votes for Hellman. Well, if, if we were going to go with, I can't go with Hellman. I got to go with Chris, but I think his list will be Dak about every, every number all the way down. Um, it was Chris, uh, who by far had the longest list, although Hellman's was definitely long. Brandon, yours, well, you're ever the optimist. I mean, I'm sure you believe that Dak will still challenge for 6,000 yards this season. Uh, but, um, your, your list, actually, I would have, you know, Hellman and Chris, that it was pretty lengthy, um, for what you probably presume Brandon's list to be. Uh, but that being said, opening statement, uh, Chris, you did have the longest one. So save your kind of vitriol for specific points, please. But, um, general thoughts on the Cowboys as they stand here after 42 to 10 um man yeah no there's there's so many negative thoughts going through my head after what we watched on sunday night football um i don't know i'm just i think most uh, first and foremost i'm frustrated with like i guess like the mentality of this team because the whole offseason and leading up to this game it was all about oh like you know like we're gonna compete for a super bowl this is our year to contend this is our year to do this this is the year that we get back on the 49ers this is the year that we do all these things and they just laid an egg and I just I hate like the mentality of this team at the moment, like with um with a CD kind of, you know, soaking in the background, you know, like the whole game. I understand he was upset with his targets, but, you know, I brought this up on the Riders block. I think a true 88 would have been all over that sideline, getting in everyone's ear. Des Bryant would have Michael Irvin would have gotten them pumped up. And then Micah Parsons, man, like I love Micah Parsons. I got him hanging up, you know, like right behind me. I'm a huge fan, but. I can't think of anything much softer than that whole podcast thing that he did where he was talking about like, yeah, man, it's personal now. Like it so wasn't personal for, for clarity. Yeah. Just in, in case somebody didn't see it, Chris, um, Micah does a podcast with Bleacher Report um, every Monday or I mean, generally. But um, he was asked about George Kittle wearing the F Dallas shirt uh, that he did. The same George Kittle, by the way, who set a career high in receiving touchdowns. Mm -hmm. uh, Micah said that it was now personal. Um, you know, the, the shirt and, um, that was actually not the part I thought was the worst. I thought it was really bad how he was like, you know, if, if they see us again, yeah, watch out. Uh, dude. yeah. Like they've not, done nothing. They've yeah. Done not nothing. the time to say this, Micah, but exactly. it, yeah, yeah. You know, they've done nothing to strike fear in the 49ers up to this point. And even Debo kind of, you know, you know, he, uh, 
he uh, bounced back his idea on that earlier today as well. He was like, yeah, like 42 to 10, like we'll gladly see you guys again. So I don't know. It just feels like this team felt like heading into the season that they, that, that they were like entitled to a lot of things and they have yet to prove that they're the powerhouse of the NFC. And as of right now, they're definitely not. So there's a lot of things to fix. And I think there's a lot of things to address. And I think it's going to be huge how Mike McCarthy rallies this team and um, gets them going in terms of heading forward. Cause I feel like this is a game that could either make or break them. If they can get, you know, pass it and kind of rally together and, you know, focus on each game ahead, or if they're just going to sulk about this the rest of the season. So it's going to be very interesting. Um, David says, where can I get one of those George Kittle F Dallas shirts? Um, that is kind of the general mood around here. Kevin says 49ers hope and pray. They play us again in the playoffs. Rex says, what are they going to do? Lose 42 to 17. Um, okay. Brandon, um, Opening thoughts, opening statement. Again, the vibe is pissed off. Like that's it, like nobody is feeling anything but that right now. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm very ticked off about it. And you know me, I'm the ever optimist. You know, like you said in the opening, six thousand deck, forty touchdowns. You know, very minimal interceptions. I mean, he almost threw as many interceptions that I had for the season just in this past game. It was just an awful performance. But for me, it started in the beginning with all this hype going into the game. What really got me was the, you know, the, the I think they're 5-0 and on the coin toss this year. Why wouldn't you take the ball right away and go shove it down their throats and go down seven, you know, go up seven, nothing, instead of giving the, you know, Brock Purdy and the, and the boys there on offense, you know, a chance to, to take the lead. I, I felt like they should have set the tone and said, we're here to play. We're going to play our game. And by the way, they didn't play their game. It was just they, they, they didn't run the ball as much as I liked. That was, that, that was another piece of it. And George Kittle just lit us up. I mean, Brock Purdy lit us up. It was it was an all-around just really poor performance from the team. You know, there was a couple moments that looked, you know, looked okay. Like, as an optimist, like that Kabate Turpin catch for a touchdown, that was great. But there was zero red zone opportunities, which, depending on how you look at it, good or bad, because they haven't been really good in the red zone this year anyways. So, I guess, you know, on that side of it, it, it they didn't have a chance to blow it for, you know, you know, for another uh, Brandon Aubrey field goal. But it's... To me, like, you know, it's, it's, you know, 42 to 10, that's just, that's unacceptable. I think, I think it was just one of those games where it, it harkened back to me. I want to say it was about 10, maybe 12 years ago where uh, the Cowboys just got demolished by the Philadelphia Eagles. And like, I just, that was one of the most demoralizing games I ever watched. And this game came pretty close, but then after I sat, sat, you know, sat on it for the night and thought about it, I'm like, the 49ers are pretty dang good. Like they are head and shoulders, in my opinion, the best team in this league. So, it, you know, 42 to 10, it's not pretty. I figured they would, you know, the Cowboys would kind of stay with the Niners, but it was, it was over from the get go. Like Chris said, the mentality was, you know, pretty much gone. Like I, I you know, it was, they looked so defeated, you know, so early on. Like I felt like, you know, I felt like people, you know, the players weren't doing their job. Like J Ron curse, like, you know, you know, on a, on a crucial down, he's, he's lined up off sides. Like, how do you let that happen? It was just so many mental mistakes. Just, it was just a capper to just an awful night. And all you can do from here is, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta move on to the, to the chargers on Monday night and, and, uh, put in the work this week and, and, and hopefully ride the tide. And, and I, I am, I feel confident in that. Um, picked up a couple of points there, Brandon, but you're not, leaning into the anger enough chris chris scooped up a lot uh so just so we're clear chris has 30 points after his opening statement you have 15 howman uh the floor is yours to vent and then we'll get to things that we're pissed off about specifically 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, this was just frustrating from start to finish. I think the 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 biggest issue for me, kind of similar to what Chris was saying, was like the Cowboys came out and they revealed themselves. You know, they said all week, this is a measuring stick. We're going to show who we are. And they showed exactly who they are, which is that they are Charmin soft. They are just, they they were not ready for the moment. And it's not like when they lost to the Cardinals where they could just say, oh yeah, you know, we let one get away. We, we overlooked the team. Um, like they, they were talking about this game far as far back as when they played the Cardinals. They were ready for this game. They, before they lost to the Cardinals, yeah, mind you. Yeah, before they even lost to the Cardinals, which was, again, went to their point about that they were overlooking the Cardinals. Like they've been waiting on this ever since it was on the schedule. And they, they, they hyped it up all week. You know, coaches, players, like Mike McCarthy even said, he was like, you know, it, it's – it's never just one game, but also we know this is more than just a regular game. It's not like it's just anybody. You know, they, they lean into this. So you can't, you know, make any sort of of narrative about like, oh, we, we didn't, you know, we weren't on our A game. Like, that's not who we really are. Like, no, this is who you are. You got humbled. You got absolutely blown out. This team is soft. They were pouting on the sidelines. None of the players were really taking responsibility after the game. Um you know, even even Dak Prescott, I mean, he's generally, you know, in the post-game press conference after a loss, he'll usually say something to the effect of like, you know, I didn't do my job or like, I'm angry, like I'm mad, I'm going to, you know, we're going to bounce back from this. He was just shell-shocked. He was like, I didn't expect this to happen. And I mean, it was just none of them thought this was going to happen. None of them actually, like, actually considered the fact that, hey, maybe you're not that good. And that's exactly what we found out is they're not that good. The 49ers are a great team. And the Cowboys showed they didn't even belong on the field. And that's that's the most, I think, concerning thing is this team is probably good enough to, to win a lot of games, go to the playoffs, but they're not going a whole lot farther than that based on what we saw Sunday night. I think this was really well done by all of you. Um, and I wanted to give you opening statements because you did each have such lengthy lists. We're only here for an hour, so there's just no way that, that we're going to touch everything that you all said. I tried to pick enough things um, to kind of, you know, touch on as many subjects as possible. Uh, actually, Helmut, I was going to put the score up, but you just picked up five more points. So here are where things stand after opening statements. Chris, you have 30 points. Brandon, 15. Helmut, 25. Lots to get to. Um, whoever listens to the podcast network or watches on YouTube has likely heard me say this in some way, shape, or form. So I'll be kind of brief with mine. I wrote something that went out on Tuesday morning um, that was called or was titled, The Dallas Cowboys Begged for an Opportunity to Prove Themselves and Completely Failed. That's really how I feel about this. Like to all of your points, it isn't just you lost. It isn't just you lost in embarrassing fashion. It isn't you lost in embarrassing fashion and you quit. It isn't you're soft and you were morose about it after. It's that you hollered and screamed and pouted for this opportunity. You were like, we want the Niners. You said, bring this on and did not only lose, but to get embarrassed is just the most pathetic thing possible. Like it is really silly and sad um that you can you know hype this game up however many weeks in advance and you it, it says a lot about how low our expectations are that i think if they had competed and mildly lost we would have all given them credit right we all, all would have said hey you know what they're the best team in the nfl you know you hung with them things will be a little bit different come january but how can you believe that like how can you believe that with a straight face you can't how many you do our rider prediction article i picked the niners and i said i cannot give the cowboys the benefit of the doubt here and I don't know that anybody did or could or thought that they did have it, but how could you? Like, and 
What's frustrating to me is I do believe that they're a good team. I think they're a top 10 team. I had them nine in our power rankings today, but it's so clear and obvious that this team owns them. And to not even acknowledge that is just really, really sad and really, really frustrating. So um, I don't know when these emotions are going to go away. I know we're all going to at some point get somewhat excited for the Chargers game, but I think we're all a little bit apathetic right now. We're just, we're the meme, the like, I'm mad, but I still care. The person like covering the person that's getting rained on or whatever. Um, so it's a tough scene. Um, so, um, let's actually, uh, before we get to our points, Adam says in the chat, what do we make of Micah's comments about not being set up to succeed? Uh, this was another thing that happened on Monday. I'm paraphrasing now, Hellman, but Micah said something about run defense and said, I just set the edge, whatever. I don't know that it felt like finger pointing, but again, this was, nobody handled any part of this well. Like, like everybody took everything that they could possibly do to make this worse and effectively did that. Yeah, and it's just, that's that's an absolutely disappointing comment to hear from Micah Parsons. And we talked about this on the Writer's Block podcast too. Like, you're the best player on the team. You're the best player on the defense. You're arguably the best player, the best defensive player in the NFL. Like, it's not enough to just be a great player. You also have to be a leader. If, if you're going to be that guy and you want to talk about, you know, you want to talk all this game and he talks a lot. And for the most part, he backs it up. But you also have to take that next step and be a leader and to go out there and essentially just, you know, point the finger and say, oh, well, you know, I'm setting the edge. That's not my thing. That's not my fault. I don't know what's going on there. Like, first of all, you don't say that. Second of all, if you're a leader, you're if you don't know what's going on, you're going to go find what's going on. You know where Dan Quinn's office is. You know where the players lockers are. You go talk to them. You go figure it out. That's that's not what you want to hear from a player who's supposed to be your best player, supposed to be a leader of this team. Um, it, it was just very, very disappointing to hear that comment. Chris, quickly, before we get to um, kind of our subjects, um, today on Tuesday, Debo Samuel was on Up in Adams, K. Adams' show, uh, and he was asked about Micah's comments on his podcast, and Debo just, like, laughed at it, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> how could you not, like, if you're Debo, right? And he was like, you know, you you don't want this smoke, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I think that's what we're all mad at Micah for, right? Like, we're we're all like, Micah, look, this is bad enough, dude. Like, you you are making this worse. Like, you're giving Debo the opportunity to dunk on us again, and nobody wants to feel that, especially after what happened in the actual game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, no one wants to see that. It's kind of like, you know, like, I know you're a big Madden player, RJ. It's like when you play somebody in Madden and, and you just blow them out from the get-go. It's an absolute dominant, you know, showing the whole game. Make them rage quit. And then they're like, man, let's rematch. And then you do it again. Oh, let's rematch one more time. And then they do it again. And it's like, okay, but next time, you know, it's just luck so far. Like, no, like it's not luck at this point. They have our number. And yeah, it's just not great uh, for the Cowboys right now. And I think it's just like, like no Cowboys fan wants to hear more talking from Micah about all. Oh, like, just wait until the next playoff game. Like you've given us no, no reason to feel confident that anything will change in the near future. And yeah, I'd much rather you have shown that on Sunday night, then instead us have to talk about hypotheticals. Um, okay. Let's get to things we are pissed off about. Um, I've picked two from each of you. I would like to have each of you as we kind of go through them, guess um, who wrote them. You all had a lot of common ones. So that might make things actually a little bit more difficult. Um, actually forget the guessing. I'm just going to tell you who I'm assigning credit to it for, but you each have two here. Um, so let's start with, um, let's go to the other end of the spectrum. Now I've abbreviated things we are pissed off about to Tuapoa. Uh, just to make it fit on the screen. So we have Twapoas all over the place, things we are pissed off about. Uh, very high, met your mother, uh, make adjustments, go get it energized. 
Hopefully everybody understands that reference. Uh, Brandon, this was yours uh, to flip to the other end of the spectrum. Uh, now, we have sat here and lamented for about 20 minutes uh, about this loss and how pathetic it was and used some harsh words. Uh, but yours was the fan base overreacting to the loss. And you said the sky is not falling, which is true. But I think everybody wants to pretend like it is right now. No, it, it, it really isn't falling. It's They lost to the best team in the league. Yeah, they got their butts whooped. But guess what? Every team gets their butt whooped once in a while. And sometimes the best medicine is getting your your, your, your head kicked in. Like you're just getting your butt whooped all around the field. So for me, you know, this, it wasn't like, it wasn't like the Cardinals game. Like, you know, that, that to me, that was, that was, I hated that game. That was just, you, you don't lose games like that. You're supposed to win or you win those games. I, you know, I always pick the Cowboys. I'm always thinking the Cowboys are going to win every game. That's just my mentality. I always hope they win. And, you know, you know, and when I, I kind of figured the Niners were going to win the game anyways, but my hopes were if things brought, you know, broke the right way, the Cowboys would win. But for me, the Cowboys are, and I said this on the Writer's Block podcast, you know, you can hear that on the, on the podcast network uh, it aired this morning, where, you know, I, I put them in the tier three. Like, I have this, the, the Niners in a tier one above everybody else. I think right now they're head and shoulders above everybody else in the league. I think we can all agree on that. And then I honestly, I did put the Eagles, you know, I hate to say it, but the Eagles are, you know, they're tier two. I think they're still, right now as it sits, I still believe that they are, you know, better than us right now. And I hate to say that, obviously, because, you know, it's the Philadelphia Eagles, obviously. But this team is still a double-digit win uh, team. I think they're going to win between 10 and 11 games this year. I'm very confident in that, which means they're going to go, what, 7 and 5, 8 and 4 the rest of the way. And I think that's very doable. You know, I know the schedule is going to be tough, but they're going to drop some games. I think that's obvious. But I do think, you know, if they win a few more than they, you know, they lose – they're going to be right in that hunt for the, the you know, the, the 10 win or 11 win mark. And I'm very confident in that. I think they, there's enough talent there that I feel like the coaching staff is going to, is going to take all this negative energy, turn it into a positive. They're going to come out and, and, and lay it down on, you know, you know, lay one on the, uh, the Los Angeles chargers. And then, you know, everybody will be happy. We'll be talking on the round table next week. We're all excited about how great the Cowboys are again and all this and that. So, that's where I'm at. And, and to the guy's point earlier, you know, they, you know, we, we all were talking, you know, Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott, it, it's, it's one of those things where I don't know if they're going to, they're going to get to the playoffs in my opinion. I think they're, I think they're still, I would say in the 80 percentile range to make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to get to the next step as assembled right now. I think, you know, divisional round is kind of where the ceiling is, which is unfortunate, but you know, that's, you know, it, that doesn't mean it's a, a lost season. You know, I am pretty, I am pretty vocal about getting to the NFC championship game and, and, and further, but it's still a successful season when you win double digit games in the NFL and you make the playoffs. So one loss does not jeopardize that. And you know what, it's time to just, you know, you know, roll up our sleeves here and, and, and get to the next game and, and uh, get, put this in the rear view and, and just start winning football games. Talman, I think that Brandon is right, and that was what I talked about a little while ago, that this this is still one of the better teams in the NFL. Um, but what Sunday represents is that, you know, what Brandon just said, like, okay, the ceiling's the division around, like, we're sick of that. <laughs> we're we're really, really sick of that, you know, and I don't, I, like, how how can you think any differently, you know, in, in result of the last 48 hours? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, Brandon is ultimately right in the sense that it's this is still a good team. They're still gonna still gonna win. They're very likely still gonna go to the playoffs. Um, actually, uh, Aaron Schatz, who who can, compiles the DVO, DVOA uh, metrics, he put out an interesting nugget today 
of the 23 teams that have won the Super Bowl since 2000, eight of those teams started out three and two, which is where the Cowboys are, which is where a few other teams are. So it doesn't necessarily mean like being three and two doesn't mean that you're suddenly out of contention for the Super Bowl. The issue here, though, is like Brandon said, Cowboys are a tier, tier three team. Tier three doesn't win you a championship. Like that's that's what the Cowboys are in it for. That's why Mike McCarthy was brought to Dallas. They they were tired of Jason Garrett, who who was you know learning on the job. He was, you know, prioritizing the wrong things. They said we're going to go get a coach who's been there. He's done that. He's got a Lombardi on his bookshelf, and he's going to come here and he's going to recreate that. And this is the most Mike McCarthy Cowboys team we've had too, with him taking over play calling on the offense. This is you know he, he's he's you know established their culture. He's established their identity. You can definitely see the difference in how the team carries themselves from week to week from what they did under Jason Garrett. And now it's also his offense in every sense too. And if they're still, after all of this, after all this change, if they're still just a tier three team, if they're still just a team that can't get to the champion conference championship game or beyond, then like, what are we doing here? Why, why are we going to settle for a team that can't go to the Super Bowl and can't win the big game when we're filling the team up with a whole bunch of talented players and a whole bunch of coaches that we believe are supposed to be able to get them there. Like you, you can't, you can't just settle for that. I'm not saying fire McCarthy. I'm not saying that by, by any means, I've been one of the stronger supporters of McCarthy since he got to Dallas. But again, the 49ers, this was supposed to be the game where they showed that they're taking the next step and they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender and they proved the exact opposite. And that is a very, very big problem. Brandon. Yeah. I mean, I just want to point out, you know, prior to the start of the season, I was very vocal on how I felt about Mike McCarthy and his coaching staff, where I was saying NFC, NFC championship or bust. I still feel that way with the talent on this team. And the unfortunate part is, you know, you know, in, you know, what I just said a few moments ago, the ceiling is the divisional round. I don't want to see that. I want to see championships. And, you know, I, I have to disagree with, disagree with you, Holman. I think if, if they can't get to the NFC championship, that, that to me, I think Mike McCarthy's seat is going to get really hot in the offseason. That's just what my, my thoughts on it. Chris, um, I know you had raised your hand, and I don't want to change your point, but um, Brandon said something that you know we have all said, like with the talent on this team. I think that Sunday, like Sunday, causes a lot of questions. Like maybe the talent on this team isn't what we thought. Like, and I'm not excusing Mike McCarthy by any stretch, but like some of the onus has to be on the players themselves. Like maybe they really aren't one of the better rosters in the NFL. Maybe they suck. Well, you know, I think losing Trayvon Diggs is a huge factor in all this. And I think it's getting overlooked by a lot of people. You know, Trayvon Diggs was really was, I think, that big playmaker, that X factor in a game that could completely change the outcome of a game just off of one play. And I think he brings that energy and that mentality that we were missing on uh, Sunday's game. However, yeah, no, this team might not be as good as we've hyped it up to be, honestly. And honestly, our our rookie draft class has been pretty invisible throughout this wrote, uh, Chris wrote about this yeah, by the way yeah, um everyone yeah, can read that soon uh, yeah 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 I mean it's been it's been hardly any impact at all and honestly here's my thing I think that's at the end of the day in terms of making the playoffs the sky isn't falling I think that this team is probably a lot to make the playoffs in my opinion I still believe that because just because this NFC is not that not that stacked and that's why it's so disappointing that we can't be those guys that are clearly the front runners in the NFC because this is the year to do it with all this talent with all this that we supposedly thought my thing is this is David to your point you're talking about all oh, like you know like something's got to change we got to do something different 
what's the common denominator in the last eight years of us having talented teams and not being able to reach reach where we want to go? I mean, like we've gone through all these different head coaches. We've gone through Jason Garrett, Mike McCarthy. We've we've fired offensive coordinators. We've added a bunch of talent. We've made trades. We've done everything. But what else are we doing right now? Listen, listen. listen. Well, all right, Chris. Let's, 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 let's set you up, Chris. Our our yeah. second Twapoa of the night. Uh, and I wrote I, I just copied and pasted these things. Uh, this one was Chris's. Um, and Chris wrote our eight year veteran quarterback couldn't get a first down in six of the first seven possessions. I presume that's the direction you were going. And with regards to Dak Prescott, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. And here's another thing: I'm not going to lie and say that Dak Prescott was the only reason that the Cowboys lost on Sunday night. I don't believe that at all. The defense did not look good. However. I think that Dak Prescott really set the tone of the game because the defense was able to get stops and kind of get that momentum swinging back in the Cowboys' favor um, I'm on that second and third uh, defensive possession. But, I mean, there's not a lot to get excited for and to get motivated for when you can't get a first down in your first four possessions. And, I mean, like, it wasn't even really close. Did Chris's audio go out or is that me? Yeah. Yeah, Chris, your audio went out. I don't know. You were it was really impassioned speech. So um we'll see if it comes back. But uh just Streamyard to, isn't here for the slander. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh that's really funny that Streamyard oh, decided man. to oh Chris, you're back. Um Chris, I was just gonna say while you were gone, the first half possessions for the Cowboys. I've tweeted this. Somebody said I tweeted, I've tweeted out a few times. Um, and I included it in that article. I guess Chris is checking on something, but first half possessions only for the Cowboys on Sunday night. Punt off of a three and out, punt off of a three and out. Tony Pollard's fumble. Uh, Tony Pollard kind of skating by a little bit here. I know people are mad, but still. And that was the first play and on the Cowboys side of the field. Then another three and out. Then they had the 78-yard touchdown, respect. Then they had another three and out. They had four qualified three and outs. And then the uh, final possession of the first half, I said was effectively a three and out because Dak took that horrible sack on second down. And again, it was kind of the same net result. So you're talking about five effective three and outs um, in the first half against maybe the best roster in the NFL um just a really 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 tough scene and you're right chris like there are a lot of people to blame but dak prescott has to do his job too i mean like and he did Mm -hmm. nothing close to it on sunday night yeah yeah can you hear me now everything yes we can man disparage away yeah yeah no seriously they just didn't want to you know hear my point get across but yeah no i think that there's at this point like he was missing i think a couple routine throws that 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 would have led us down the field and kind of changed changed the momentum in that game. His first throw to um, Lou Schoonmaker, like that could have been a pretty big gain right off the bat. And um, he sailed it. And it just, to me, like he typically, I think looks comfortable in the pocket when he's playing these, these um, other NFC East teams or when he's playing teams that don't have that talented of a defense. But if you looked at his, at his, uh, at him, his foot movement throughout the entire game. And you looked at um, just how he, compose himself he looked like a deer in headlights for a majority of the game last night and and like i understand the 49ers defense is good but like when things aren't going your way your franchise quarterback is supposed to be the one who's supposed to elevate everyone else and you know i listened to your podcast as well um um rj and um i heard you say you know the whole um thermometer and uh Oh yeah that's 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 bob sturm's line i just to be clear uh yeah yeah the great bob sturm right yeah, yeah, no, and he needs to be the thermostat. Like, he needs to be the one who's like dictating how hot the offense is, or you know, and like all that. So, 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 yeah, so yeah, no, I butchered that, but, but I will say that I think that, yeah, no, I think a lot of pressure has to go on Dak Prescott. 
And I think a lot of criticism has to go on Dak Prescott based off the way he played. And I think that that um, he's a big reason for that loss on Sunday. Uh, quickly, Chris, uh, you picked up a lot of points. David said that you are playing to the audience now. So um, Chris knows how to win these roundtables. <laughs> the very least. How many you were ready to combat this point. Um, David, uh, fellow David, uh, who just gave Chris that, uh, I don't know if that's a criticism or a compliment, but either way, uh, said QB one needed to step up. I think that's the general take Calvin. like, it does evolve or devolve into like that sucks a lot, but the, the undeniable truth is that he needed to step up and that did not happen. Yeah. And one of the things that, that I'd written on my list of things I was upset about was that Dak Prescott didn't have a better game in such a big moment. And, and I agree that, I mean, first of all, yes, Dak Prescott had a bad game. There, I think outside of Brandon Aubrey and maybe Kevontae Turpin, everybody had a bad game. Wow, and the Jonathan Hankins disrespect. Hankins. Holy crap. <laughs> Jonathan Hankins was probably the, the best defender out there. But but to the point, though, like it was just a bad game all the way around. Dak Prescott is not free of that criticism. Um, that being said, was he the biggest driver of the reason the Cowboys lost this game? Absolutely not. Um Chris was saying he needs to be under more pressure. He was literally under pressure all night. Terrence Steele gave up eight pressures in that game. For context, the other four starters on this line together combined seven pressures. So he, he got completely eaten up by Nick Bosa. The other four starters weren't necessarily, you know, just blowing them out either. Like he was under duress from start to finish. He literally is under pressure. And like I said, he had a bad game. He missed throws. You were, you know, right on the money about that first pass to Schoonmaker. There were some other throws, that, you know, down the sideline to Brandon Cooks. He sailed that one. But also, he was not put in a position to succeed in this game. He completed, what, 58.3% of his passes. His expected completion rate was 62.4. So even if he had been hitting those throws and he had been playing to the level that we know he's capable of, 62.4%, that's not that much better. So that's that speaks to the level of, of targets he was getting and what the, the San Francisco 49ers defense was giving up. And we, you know, we tend to forget this is a very good 49ers defense. You still want your quarterback to be able to elevate the play, but to, to a certain degree, the play caller's got to help you out. Kellen Moore didn't help him out the last two playoff games, and Mike McCarthy did not help him out in this game either. So you can't really just say – you know, Dak Prescott should have stepped up more. You know, he wasn't getting help from his play caller. He wasn't getting help from his receivers on a lot of plays. Kurt Warner had a great video where he outlined some of the, the routes that they were running. They were they just were not well run. The details were not quite there. Um, so Dak doesn't get a pass, but he also, if, if you're putting together a top 10 list of who was most responsible, he's definitely not number one. I don't even think he's top three. Here's my thing. And like, here's my argument to that, not to cut you off, RJ, but my thing is this, like, like there are so many situations throughout the league where other quarterbacks deal with these problems, where their play callers aren't helping them out a ton, where their offensive line isn't doing the most for them. And here's the thing. I'm not going to compare um, Dak Prescott to some of these quarterbacks, but we've seen around the league, like when, when there's franchise quarterbacks, they're able to overcome these situations. They're over, they're able to overcome these problems. But when is the last time that we saw Dak Prescott overcome and carry his team against a really, really elite defense in a meaningful game like this. I understand that he played amazing against Tom Brady's Buccaneers. That was a, what, a seven and uh, nine team? They were eight and nine. They were eight and nine. They were right below 500. Yeah, 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 exactly. Eight and nine team. Their defense was not that good. Like, every time he goes up against 49ers, which is an elite defense, he folds. And here's the thing. I understand that this 49ers defense is great, and I understand that this 49ers defense is elite. 
uh, Josh Dobbs looked pretty good against him last week. Like he was able to kind of extend the field. He was able to make deep passes. Like this is a 49ers defense that had been giving up a lot of vertical plays actually throughout this year compared to previous seasons. And Dak wasn't able to exploit that. I just don't understand like how many years are we just going to be like, oh, he wasn't set up in a position to succeed. It happens. There are, there are games around the league where quarterbacks are not set up in a position to succeed, but we got to rely on him to be the one to kind of carry them out of that slump and to kind of put them in a position to win games. I understand it's not all on him, but who else are we putting the blame on more than him based off of that game? Just one individual person. Like Dak Prescott would be, was – To answer your two questions, Chris, the answer would be Mike McCarthy is the person that you could put more individual blame on. Yeah. Also, to answer your question about when was the last time I would offer Christmas Eve against the Eagles. Um, at the time last season, Philadelphia maybe had the best defense in the NFL. And I don't recall the stat off the top of my head. Maybe Howman does. Was it Dak was something like 24 of 24 against zone coverage. Like Dak was in his absolute bag in that, in that game. And the, the mighty Cowboys defense got ran over by Gardner Minshew. Like it wasn't even Jalen Hurts. So like he went shot for shot with them when he absolutely had to. And he elevated them. And that's part of what like is frustrating about this whole experience is we have seen Dak do that against the big, bad Philadelphia Eagles, who we hate so much but he can't do it against the 49ers. Brandon, you haven't chimed in on this particular subject. And we obviously have a lot more to get to, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Just, just a quick point. I know we were just talking about Mike McCarthy. I don't, it's, it's not rocket science. When, when Nick Bosa is, is demolishing Terrence Steele and he's literally in the backfield and Dak is essentially under pressure almost right away. To me, the rocket science, it's, it's not hard. You just literally, you put a tight end over there or even somebody to chip. I used to see it all the time with the New England Patriots. I mean, obviously Dak's a little more mobile than, than Tom Brady ever was, but Gronk would always help out and chip. If, if his left tackle or right tackle is having issues, even if it's a chip, he's out of his route, maybe he's off his route for maybe one or two seconds, big whoop. You're getting CeeDee Lamb, you're getting Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup more time to hit their routes. It, you know, like To me, Terrence Steele is a road grader when it comes to the run game. The pass protection, he's an, he's an average pass protector in my opinion. So when you see him struggling against the Nick Bosa, which – which, to be honest, I don't blame him because Nick Bosa is pretty darn good. And last time I checked, his brother's going to be playing next week as well. So the Bosa brothers back-to-back, that's kind of tough tough sledding for a guy like Terrence Steele. But my point is, it's not rocket science. If you see the issue, you got to help him. you got to chip. you got to do something to give Dak just a little bit more time for his receivers to get open. Maybe CeeDee Lamb at that point wouldn't have been so ticked off because maybe he gets the ball a few more times. Um, by the way, if it is rocket science, that explains why Josh Dobbs had so much success against the 49ers, obviously. Uh, anybody well who, um, who, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for the, the setup uh, to CD Lamb. Um, Brandon, this one was actually Chris's point. Speci- oh, no, this was Howman's point specifically. Apologies. Um, who You wrote it like this, Howman. CD Lamb pouting on the sidelines, the thing you are pissed off about. The floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, it's similar to the comments of Micah Parsons. By the way, that, that's a CD jersey you're wearing, right? That's not a Dez? No, this is a Dez jersey, and I, I was going to oh. get to that point. I'm wearing Dez Bryant because Dez Bryant, you know exactly what he would, be, would have been doing in a game like this. He wouldn't have been patting on the sidelines. He would have been talking to his teammates, figuring things out, hyping them up, and letting them know the way they were playing was unacceptable. Michael Irvin would have been doing the same thing. Drew Pearson would be doing the same thing. When you wear 88 for the Cowboys, there is a certain standard that you have to live up to. And on the field, C.D. Lamb, I'll be very clear about this. He's a tremendous player. He's you know, probably a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. He is incredibly talented. In terms of on the field production, he has lived up to the mantle of the 88. Leadership-wise, still some work to be doing. You're going to go into this game with, with the kind of hype that you've brought into it. He was the one who said the phrase measuring stick. Like He was the one who was really out there talking weeks in advance about how much they want to play this game. 
then he gets in and he doesn't get a few targets and suddenly it's like, Oh, he's not talking to anyone on the sidelines. He's sitting there and, and, you know, after the game, someone asked him about like, what's the offense's identity? And he said, Oh, I don't know. Well, similar to the Michael Parsons comment, like, even if that's true, you don't say it. And two, you know where the coach's office is to sit down and figure that out. And that's something that should have been figured out a while ago, a while back too. So I, I did not like the attitude that I saw from him in that game. That's one of those things I, I very much imagine and hope the coaches are going to sit down and have a conversation with and say, hey, look, you're the, the leader on this team at the wide receiver position. You have to hold yourself to a higher standard. And like, the, you know, like I said, Des Bryant would not have been doing that on the sideline. That's why I'm wearing Des's jersey tonight instead of CeeDee Lamb's. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Um, Chris, to be fair to CD, nobody knows anything that he said on the sideline, right? Like, there is a level of assumption that's involved here. Um, and I'm not saying that CD has to be concerned about the look of it all, but the look is just really bad. I mean, the, the look is is quit. The look is moping. The look is, I mean, pouting, uh, which is the, the word that, that Hellman happened to use here. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you you know, you, if you want the, the shot at the big boys, like, you got to be ready for it. And this this felt like, oh, man, this isn't going exactly how I want it to go. Um, so that upsets me. It 100% went that way. And the problem with it, too, is so like heading into the season, I was pretty vocal. I think that this was the best, most talented roster the Cowboys have had since 1995-1996 when they won that Super Bowl. And here's my thing. I think that there's a huge difference in terms of the mentality between those two teams. It's not necessarily a huge difference in the talent. I agree that there are a lot, a lot of talented players on that last Super Bowl team. I mean, like, obviously, we don't have a Dion out there right now. We don't have even a Troy Aikman out there, in my opinion. We don't have a Emmett Smith. We don't have that. But just in terms of mentality, like, there would have been at least four people who I can think of off the top of my head right now who would be yelling at everyone on that sideline if that if they had gone through a game like that. Troy Aikman would have been extremely vocal to everyone around him. Um, Michael Irvin would have been yelling at everyone. Um, Jimmy Johnson would have been yelling at everyone. I know he wasn't on that 95 team, but, uh, you know, like just, you know, like just making the point between them in the 90s. And um, Deion Sanders and all these different players. And to me, this team just acts very entitled. This team acts like it's, you know, like it's all about the media look. It's all about the podcast. It's all about the clicks. It's all about, you know, like, you know, it, you, you know, it's all about acting cool and like looking good and all that kind of stuff. But where's the toughness? Where's the grittiness? Where's the letting your play on the field speak for your, 
you know, you know, like speak for yourself. And like, I'm just tired of hearing what the Cowboys can do, what they can do. I want to see what they can do and what they will do. And we haven't been able to see what they will do up to their standards so far, in my opinion. Um, Brandon, I'm reminded of a game in 2018, obviously the magical run that Amari Cooper had after first getting traded to the Cowboys. It was when Dallas hosted Philadelphia. Um, it was a Sunday night game. Um, and right after the game, Amari mentioned that after Dak, I'm butchering the details now, it's been five years, but after Dak called the play in the huddle, that Amari was like, are you serious? Like another curl route? Again, it might not have been, I forget exactly what Amari said, but that Dak said, just run it, man. Like, just just go do it. Like, just, just go do, you know, what we're supposed to do here. And that upon getting to the line of scrimmage, Dak saw everything and, you know, audible and called Amari to change things up, just ran this post, try to hit him for a 75-yard touchdown. But, like, that's a bit more of a quiet thing. I know everybody's saying, like, I'm pissed. I'm, I'm mad that CD wasn't, like, you know, out for blood on the sidelines or whatever. But even that is a level of, like, doing what is necessary in the moment, like calling for something you are seeing to make a difference, which Amari Cooper did. Yeah, and actually, you know, and Mike McCarthy wasn't even mad about C.D. Lamb. I'm reading some comments here. He said, I'll just say that if he's not pissed off that he's not getting the ball, then I'm pissed off that he's not pissed off. Well, I think Mike. Wrong. I think Mike's just diffusing the situation, not not letting it, you know, blow I, up. I mean, I but it's definitely though. possible that's true. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I get C.D. Lamb being ticked off. I mean, he's, you know, I, I hate to say this because, you know, we've, we've, we've lived in the era of the diva wide receiver, like, you know, or Keyshawn Johnson saying, hey, get me the ball, you know, get me the damn ball. Like, I get it. CeeDee Lamb's a playmaker. He wants the ball in his hands, and especially against a team like the 49ers. I get maybe he didn't handle it to the best of his ability. Let's be honest. He's a 24-year-old guy. He's not, you know, he's still, he's still in my book. He's still not a mature guy completely yet because he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been in the league a long time. So I'm going to cut him some slack for being a 24, 24-year-old guy that, you know, he's still, you know, he's still growing as an adult in my book. And, and, and for me, you know what, like CeeDee Lamb can be mad all he wants. And, and, and the other part of it is I get the points with the Drew Pearson, the, the Michael Irvin, the Des Bryant. Not everybody has that personality. Like, you know, everybody plays the game differently. Like, look at Amari Cooper. You mentioned Amari, RJ. Amari was more, he's, he's more of like a, a silent assassin. Like, that's, that's his game. CeeDee Lamb might be a little bit in between. So I, I, I like the guys that are like Des Bryant, for example, and, and Michael Irvin. I grew up on Michael Irvin, like watching how fiery he was as a playmaker with the Cowboys. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say like oh he needs to be like Des Bryant he needs to be like Michael Irvin or Drew Pearson like to me like he's a different animal Amari Cooper is a different animal like they all play the way they play and, and in my book if if they have to be, if they have to do something they're not comfortable doing it's gonna t- to me it's gonna take away from what they're doing on the field because they're they're it's not something natural to them so for me maybe he's not maybe that's just not who he is. And I don't care if he can go out there and make plays and, and, and win us some football games, then I'm not going to worry about the other stuff. All right. An update on the score so far. Chris leading the way with 55. Howman at 50. Brandon at 45. Um, so we'll see who wins. Um, we have gone a little bit long. Um, so you each have one left. So maybe just, you know, we've these things are very heavy. We're very upset. All right. So let's all just kind of understand that. Um, the first half was kind of, you know, structured towards the offensive side of the ball and our woes and, uh, you know, whatever uh, demerits that we wanted to hand out over there. We're kind of shifting to the defense now. Uh, Howman, I know we just went with yours, but we're going to do it again. Uh, this was on David Howman's list. Dan, uh, thing we are pissed off about, Dan Quinn getting punked by Kyle Shanahan. Uh, I made a joke about this on the internet, Howman, on Monday. I don't know if you know this or not. You are not allowed to criticize Dan Quinn. Those are the rules of Cowboys Twitter. He is 
holier than thou. He is perfect. Everything that goes right is his doing. And when things go wrong or things go poorly, it's Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott only. We can never, ever criticize Dan Quinn. So how dare you, David Helm? Yeah, I mean, we are talking about the guy who should be the head coach of this team, Dan Quinn, right? Like that's that's what everybody wants. It's and, his team. Like it's that's yeah. what what I've been told. Like it's he's the one who's really calling the shots here. Yeah, he he's the real heart and soul of this team and but also he wasn't the heart and soul when they got their souls snatched on Sunday night football. Dude, that, but that's, Howman, that's wait, totally I'm sorry I have to interrupt. He wore a badass black suit. Did you see that like so he, he wore a, a black suit so like I mean what what more could Dan have done? I mean, come on. <laughs> they went to a funeral, their own funeral. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, it was the Cowboys funeral and and I mean like the 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 connection between Dan Quinn and Kyle Shanahan is obvious. They coached together for the Falcons. Um, you know, it was a great hire by Quinn getting Kyle Shanahan. That offense for the Falcons was incredible. It powered them to the Super Bowl. They didn't win the Super Bowl. That's that's the real difference between him and Mike McCarthy is one of them actually won a Super Bowl as a head coach. Um, but Dan Quinn, two straight playoff games, and his defense did fairly okay in both of those games. Um, and, and even last year, I thought they did particularly well. They, they limited the 49ers to under three yards of carry. They did what they needed to do, and it was ultimately offense that let them down in that game. And going into this one, I was thinking, you know, Dan Quinn, two straight years against the 49ers, granted, you know, different quarterbacks and different personnel in some of those games, but both times they've played well enough to where a pretty good game from the offense can win you the game. This time, they didn't play well. They, they got absolutely just knocked out of the park. Defensive line was getting moved every single play. The secondary was, I mean, every single throw was wide open. The safeties in particular, the three safeties that we've all been talking about is like one of the strengths of this defense. They had eight targets between the three of them. All eight of them were caught. And the, I, I, I broke down in, in the Cowboys analytics roundup article. It'll be coming out uh, probably on Wednesday. Um, broke down the passer rating allowed when targeted for each of those three safeties. It is mind-boggling. All three of them were in, in the triple digits. Malik Hooker gave up a perfect 158.3 passer rating when he was thrown on his two targets. Like Kyle Shanahan went in and said, we're going to attack this defensive line and we're going to win. And we're going to attack these three safeties they love and we're going to win. And they did exactly that. And they did it in the first half. They did it in the second half. Dan Quinn had zero answers from the start, had zero answers coming out of halftime. And I know he's I know he's the next head coach. I know he's the savior of the team. I know that he can't do anything wrong. And his suit was awesome. I will give him credit. That was a great suit. I wish he had saved it for a game where his team actually showed up. But um, he deserves some, some criticism for this one because that was a pitiful, pitiful performance from his defense. Chris, uh, you spoke earlier about the talent on this team. There's no doubt, like preseason, whatever, we, there's way more talent on the defensive side of the ball the Cowboys like absolutely there's way more draft investment on the defensive side of the ball right like there's an argument to be made that Micah Parsons is the best I know nobody wants to agree with this right now but the best non-Patrick Mahomes player in the NFL right the safeties right we we throw flowers at Demarcus Lawrence Osa Digizua is playing really well like you know he has way better ingredients to work with with regards to his specific job than Mike McCarthy does right the offensive line kind of been a bit of a project a lot of people hate Dak right whatever the case may be etc etc and you you fail like and you, he's failed twice in three weeks and yeah this was against the 49ers oh what are you gonna do it's Kyle Shanahan bro you got outworked by the Cardinals and James Conner and Josh Dobbs like Dan Quinn is a problem and it's not convenient or comfortable for people to say it but it doesn't change that it's true 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, Kyle Shanahan definitely outschemed Dan Quinn from the um, from the get go, and it wasn't his best, his best performance. But I mean, I mean to give him a little bit, I don't want to say uh, credit because it's not uh, credit. It's not credit. Uh, but like Dan Quinn's not the one who lined up right next to the offensive lineman when J. Ron Curse did it. Dan Quinn's not the one who's taunting his players on the field after you know a penalty. He's not the one who's who's allowing these these blown coverages by Marquise Bell and all these different things. You know, like he's wait, not- wait, wait, wait. Did did we not a couple of years ago when the Cowboys were like the most penalized team, were we not all holding McCarthy responsible for that? Why, why does one coach get held responsible for the penalties and the, the mental mistakes? Go off, Hammond. Coordinator go. doesn't get held responsible for it. Uh, it's different. But anyway, <laughs> that's not versus coordinator. There you go. There's yeah, you. exactly, exactly. It's a head coach. Nah, dude. Like, <laughs> like if any if any one of them has a clear ceiling, it's Dan Quinn, right? Like, like Kyle Shanahan owns him. Like, that's really what this is. Yeah, and I mean. It's it's uncomfortable to say and it's uncomfortable to admit because I know everybody wants Dan Quinn to be awesome and like super cool Dan Quinn, but like he got destroyed in this game. I'm sorry, Chris. Brandon, do you have any Dan Quinn thoughts before I move on? Yes, uh, I'm just going to break this down. The Cowboys in the last three games on defense are trending in the wrong direction. You know, red zone, uh, they're the third worst in the league uh, in the, over the last three games, 21st best against uh, points allowed. And then they've fallen to 26th, uh, you know, uh, worst team in the league when it comes to uh, rushing yards per game. So it's like, to me, like, obviously that Giants game 40 nothing, you know, that was, that was like Dan Quinn's masterpiece for 2023. But ever since then, it's just been, it's just been going downhill. I love Dan Quinn, but uh, they need to fix some things. They need to scheme, scheme up things better because like you guys all have said, Kyle Shanahan just came out and, and, and uh, opened up a can of whoop ass on him. Simple as that. I'm obviously rooting against this, but um, if if you ask me, like, what would really break the fan base, it would be Kellen Moore outclassing Dan Quinn on Monday Night Football right before the bye. Um, like, I don't know that we are equipped to handle that emotionally. Um, so that would be uh, a tough scene. Uh, Chris, it would be extra great play. if it, if it's one of those, like, 45-43 games where, like, Mike McCarthy calls a great game, Kellen Moore calls a great game, and Dan, <laughs> Quinn, Dan Quinn's defense doesn't get it done. That would be yeah. like the cherry on top of a Twitter meltdown. Yeah, and it and it failed. Like it, the Cowboys lost on like a failed fourth down conversion. It was that was such a stupid play call by McCarthy. He lost it. Blah blah. Like Dan Quinn, you know, Dan Quinn did a great job. He didn't let the Chargers <laughs> score forty six points. Everybody chill out with the Dan Quinn slander. Uh, but you're ready to slander someone, Chris. Um, slander is a heavy word, but um, you touched on this things we are pissed off about uh, that J Ron and Chris lined up like an offensive lineman. That is how you wrote it. Um, you also mentioned the taunting penalty. I included that in my stock report, and people were giving him a pass on that uh, because people were like, well, it wasn't an accepted penalty. That doesn't change anything. Like, that was horrible. Like, what what are you doing taunting this team? They own you. Like, what, what are you doing taunting them in the first quarter? That was so silly. But, Chris, this is your thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I have to be honest. Jaron Curse has uh, has uh, taken a step back this year. I feel like he really hasn't looked like the Jaron Curse that uh, that uh, we're accustomed to. And honestly, I feel like I feel like it really hurts because he's like he needs to step up and be that guy. Because I've always said that Leighton Van Der Esch is kind of like he he's honestly like the Dan Quinn on the defensive field. But now with Leighton Van Der Esch out, like like like. Like next man up in that department, I've always felt like was J. Ron Curse. I felt like he was really that leader of the defense in terms of like him being vocal, him him understanding where players had to be. And he didn't even understand where he needed to be on the field because he was lined up in the offensive lineman's spot. So so you know, I don't know. It's 
J-Ron Curse has not played phenomenal, and it's just it's just so weird because he was so good the last couple seasons, and 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 yeah, he, you know, it was just a really bad game from him, and I think his his play early on in the game really set the tone for for how the rest of the game was going to go. Brandon, um, I worry that J-Ron is emblematic of regression to the mean, right? Like a lot of these players, the Cowboys have gotten some really great football out of, and that is a testament to people like Dan Quinn. Um, but that, I mean, that just can't happen for three years in a row, right? Like, you know, what maybe it can with the Micah Parsons is or whatever the case may be, but like J-Ron has been an amazing player for the Cowboys. Which, like the return on investment is already well worth it for Dallas. And so maybe this was just inevitable. Yeah, it, it, yeah, the the you know the the lack of game over time is going to happen. Like I'm looking at the PFF right now, 46.7 is his grade. Last year he was 70.2. So there's that's a pretty good drop off from year to year. I know we're only you know a quarter of the way through the season, so it, you know it, it, it's a smaller sample size. But he's not off to a good start. You know, Chris is right on that with the J Brown curse. You know, you know lining up offside. Like you can't do that. Like you got to look and see where you got to see where the sticks are. It's not, you know, I mean, obviously you can't see the, the yellow line like we can on TV, but you got to look at the sticks. You know, if you see the sticks and look over like, Oh, let me slide back. Like we've seen. You don't even have to look at the sticks somewhere. He's at. You just have to look at the people next to you. Like he was so far off sides. True. Well, common sense. You just look at, I mean, I look, you know, when I played, I looked at the sticks, you know, all right, yep. Let me slide back one step. And then you're like, all right, I'm good. I'm on side. Like to me, it, it goes back to almost like fundamentals of pop Warner football. you know, it's just, you know, you can't do that as a professional and, and, and the whole taunting thing. Yeah. By the way, the Niners are the best team in the league. And uh, at that point, I believe they were, uh, they were still, they were laying the, the, the can of, you know, the can of whooping on, 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 on the boys. So it, to me, like, you got to act like you've been there before. Just, just play the game the right way. And, and J-Ron Curse to me, he's, he's going, he's going through this part of his career where, you know, he's, he's going to, he's not going to be with the Cowboys much longer. That's just, that's just a fact he's on, he's on the downswing. And, and for me, you know, it, you know, it's, it's maybe, maybe they slide Marquise Bell back to safety because that's what he played. And he can play that J Ron curse, you know, role, you know, that, you know, that would be vacated by a, a release or end of contract for J Ron curse. So there's, there's guys there that can take that spot. I just think curses curse has really gone in the wrong direction. And it's, you know, it's, he's got to turn things up or his days in Dallas could be numbered. Well, Hamlin, uh, when the Cowboys extended Malik Hooker, um, at training camp after they had extended Donovan Wilson or giving Donovan Wilson a new contract, I should say, earlier in the offseason. It kind of felt like the end of the road for J. Ron Curse was becoming a bit more obvious. Um, I mean, maybe the Cowboys had already decided that from a financial perspective, but um, J. Ron Curse had one of the, the poorer games of any player on the team on Sunday night. Yeah, it was, it was definitely not a shining moment for him. And, you know, to your point, he's what he's in the last year of his contract. He's 29 years old. Um, and he's not playing well this this year so far. And I mean, it wasn't just this game. I mean, like I said earlier, everybody had a bad game in this one. But there are a few players who have struggled in previous games this season. J. Ron Curse, unfortunately, is one of them. Um, and like Brandon said, Marquise Bell, they've, they've been kind of grooming him for that J. Ron Curse kind of role for a couple of years now. Um, now with him officially moving to linebacker, which Curse was already kind of like a linebacker safety hybrid. Um, they also have Wanya Thomas, who, by the way, he didn't play a whole lot in this game, but he did play well when he was out there. He had a pass breakup that got negated by the double penalties from Wilson and, and from Kirst. Um, And I, I would imagine this is probably his last year. And honestly, it's kind of looking like a guy who knows that he's not going to be back with this team next year. And he may just kind of be mentally checked out. You hate to really like try to guess at that kind of stuff, but 
I mean, just from what you see on the film, that's that's what it looks like, especially compared to what he has been the last two years, which was a really solid player. Um, last thing we are pissed off about comes from Brandon, um, which just kind of covers this entire discussion we've had over the second half of the show. Where's this elite defense? Uh, Brandon, we'll go in clockwise or counterclockwise order. So we'll go you, Chris, and Hellman. But yeah, we were told this was the best defense in the NFL. And sure, they look like it when they look like some front runners after the first two weeks of the season. But they don't look like they can absorb punches. They don't look tough. They don't look whatever. They look like, yeah, if everything's in front of them and it's going well, then they are the best defense in the NFL. But they don't look built to kind of survive. They look like the moment their clothes get a little bit dirty, they fold. Yeah, I mean, they're mental small people at this point. Like, it's just the, the mentality is just not there. It's they Once they get hit in the mouth, it's it's kind of on, it's kind of over. Like, look at the Cardinals game, like you mentioned. You know, look at, obviously, the Niners game. It's just, to me, like, and, and I, I already brought it up just a few minutes ago, the last three games, they're just going in the wrong direction. And, you know, a guy like J. Ron Curse, like, yeah, his contract's coming up. He's going to be out the door pretty quick. Maybe – maybe you can hang him out on the trade block. I don't know. I'm just, you know, just, a, just an honest guess. Like I'd like to see some more Wanye Thomas, you know, obviously Marquise Bell. Like I think Wanye Thomas brings a different level of juice that, you know, I think the Cowboys could use right now. And that, you know, and not to say that J Ron Curse is going to lose his job to Thomas right now, but it would be interesting to see more Wanye Thomas in the rotation with a Marquise Bell. And, 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 and I think he would help, you know, in a way to uh, bring some juice that I don't think curse has right now. I feel like, like you guys are mentioning, I feel like he's checked out and, and I, and the, in the, in the other part of the defense that's really frustrating is, you know, I mentioned it against, against the run, like Jonathan Hankins had a pretty good game. Like he was probably the only defensive player that, you know, if we were doing our rankings, like he would have had a positive grade for me, but overall, like, you know, the, the, the Niners just ran all over him. It, it wasn't, it wasn't even pretty. I'm sitting here looking at the numbers, 170 yards, you know, over four yards to carry. I'm like, yeah, sure. McCaffrey didn't have his best running game, but, Jordan Mason, he averaged almost seven yards a carry. Like, it, it, like well, he had the big know, one. I mean, too, that inflated things. I mean, yeah, yeah, twenty six, yeah, twenty six yards. But to me, four point one yards per carry. Like, it, it, it's to me, it's just it's ridiculous. Like, you know, you know, Mozzie Smith hasn't done much yet. Maybe, maybe they do the Jordan Davis treatment and and do you know do what the Eagles did and kind of not not really maybe a redshirt year, but maybe they got to go get somebody off the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals are doing a fire, or, or I'm sorry, the Broncos are doing a fire style. So maybe go get somebody from the Broncos that can help against the run because this run defense is like, you know, I was saying the other day, it's like switch cheese. Like anytime, anytime an opposing running back gets the ball, I'm like, all right, well, you know, it's, you know, if it's, it's second and five, they're going to get the first down. It's just, that's just how porous it's been. And, you know, Chris brought up a good point, you know, in recent weeks with, with Stefan Gilmore, you know, Stefan Gilmore, you know, he still, he still has some elite traits, but he has been a liability in certain situations. So it's, you know, it's a little bit nerve wracking to see him in coverage sometimes. And then, you know, just in general, the linebacker position with Leighton Van Der Esch being out for a little bit, we're very thin there. And that's, 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 that's something I'm a little, I'm worried about right now. And, and that's something that needs to be corrected. And if, you know, if the Cowboys want to make a deep run, you know, they have to stop the run. Chris, um, you have your arrows pointed very squarely at Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy as far as the offensive issues with this team. Um, you neglected to put any real responsibility on Dan Quinn. So who, who is the most to blame? for the lack of an elite defense right now in your opinion well well just to kind of kind of clarify i think that dan quinn i think dan quinn had a really bad show against 49ers but since he's taken over in 2021 how many of these have we seen we've seen two in three weeks what are you talking about since i know i know i know i know i know it's been a back couple weeks it's 
But okay, but then but the question is, who do you blame the most for for the Cardinals and Niners performances on on the defensive side of the ball specifically? Because they're supposed to be elite. So like, if 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 you have to bring some, you're you're the judge now. You have to bring someone, and you gotta you know find them guilty of the crime. Who is that one person? Who's I the mean, lead? It has to go on Dan Quinn. I'm not saying that it doesn't have to go on Dan Quinn if you're judging those two those two performances. But what I've seen is I've seen a sample size of Dan Quinn since 2001. I mean, since um, 2021, this Cowboys defense has been phenomenal. It's had a, you know, like it's had a bad stretch. It's had a really bad stretch, but you know, like we're adjusting to losing Trayvon Diggs, which I think is a huge, huge loss that we're not talking about because Stefan Gilmore has not looked like that guy. In my opinion, he has not looked like that big cornerback one. I think he's a great cornerback too, but he was getting cooked in both of those losses, in my opinion. And so when you look at everything, my bigger concern is on Dak Prescott because it's been eight years now. No, listen, it's been eight years now, and we have still Chris, yet. We've, to- we've seen him author the number one offense in the NFL. Like we can play this yes, same game. Yes, like, you yes, know. Yes, but again, but no, but right inferior- now, the con- right now, a concern is the defense. And right now, there's a lot of chat the uh, going on. concern me nearly as much as Mike McCarthy's play calling and Dak They're Prescott's down late in Vanderish, the and they can't stop the run. How's that? Gonna, like, do you really trust that Dan Quinn can solve this, you know, over the next month without Leighton? I think that they're going to have to do some searching. It's not going to be easy, but I mean, I definitely don't have any faith in this Cowboys offense being able to keep up with any points that Dan Quinn's allowing on defense. They aren't going to be able to match it. I know you said earlier about that whole Chargers game about, oh, watch them lose 44 to 40. Imagine thinking that this Cowboys offense is capable of putting 40 points up on the board right now because throughout the whole season up to this point, it feels like just about half their points have been scored by the defense. The offense hasn't been able to score anything in the red zone. They haven't been able to get anything going. So Mike McCarthy still still is number one on my blame list right now. Dak Prescott's a close second on my blame list right now. Because where, where is Dan then on, on your Dan blame Quinn? list? Yeah, like if, if Mike is one, Dak is two, Where? how many people do we have to get to to get to Dan? 50. I don't think that there's necessarily <laughs> specific people. I think that there's a big drop off between. I'd probably put him third if you're just talking about just individual people because he is okay. the coach and he is the coordinator. But I think there's a big drop off. I, you know, so like I know that the coaches and the quarterback always gets the most blame. But I don't know how you can sit here and for the future be more worried about Dan Quinn after seeing what he's been able to do with this defense and how he's been able to develop these players the past couple of years than Dak Prescott, who we have still yet to see had that big mojo moment against a key defense, an elite defense, and really carry them when everything's going wrong around them. He's to be clear, there's I a think- constant. There's a constant, and that is that Dak Prescott has not been able to carry the Cowboys when we need him to carry the Cowboys. When I, I gotta wrong, say something here. And that's <laughs> the truth. Go ahead, how so, you know, yeah, I mean, like that's the truth, and I'll stand by that. Remember week two when he played the vaunted Jets defense and he sliced them up and he just the offense was doing everything they wanted. To your point earlier about you know Dak Prescott hasn't elevated the team, other quarterbacks do. What did Pat Mahomes do against the Jets defense? Three picks. What did Josh Allen do against the Jets defense? Uh, what three picks for uh, a fumble? I mean, th- we were talking about a quarterback's performance against the same exact Jets defense. One of them played lights out. Two of them, who everybody probably considers to be better than Dak Prescott. They got eaten up, and one of them lost. One of them barely lost, or barely won, almost lost. And I mean, th- this is this is what we're talking about. I mean, he he already proved it against a very good Jets defense. He already proved it against a very good Patriots defense. You know, to RJ's point, he did it against the Eagles, and Dan Quinn's defense got eaten up, eaten up by Gardner Minshew. 
I mean, but that is all set up though by their turnovers and their takeaways that they're getting on that offense. That's all set up, really. Because because also going into this game against the 49ers, you're you're talking about how the offense wasn't really doing much. They had the best third down conversion rate in the NFL going into Week Five. They had the second highest rate of of their offensive drives that resulted in points. They they were moving the chains. Yes, they were struggling at scoring once they got in the red zone but their drives were getting into opposing uh, territory. They were getting into the red zone. They led the league in red zone appearances going into week five. Like they were doing everything except scoring touchdowns in the red zone. That is the one knock that was on this offense. And yeah, they had a really bad game against San Francisco. So did the defense. So yeah, if we're talking about just that game specifically, any defense in NFL history, I don't care if we're talking about doomsday defense, if we're talking about the old Vikings defense, the 85 Bears defense. If you are unable to move the ball down the field as an offense and you can't get one first down, you're continuously punting that football back to that defense and expecting them to be able to clamp and just completely shut down the 49ers offense throughout the entire game with Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Brock Purdy. They are going to bend at some point. Dak Prescott I mean, was unable to. I mean, that, that was the. Was unable unable to I, I don't. I don't the think anyone is like. No one is trying to exonerate the offense the way you're trying to exonerate the defense. Like, How the are we de- putting more, more? We're not. Blame we're trying to put equal. Like that's what we're trying to put equal blame. I mean, like the one thing the defense did well, and I don't mean this as an insult to him, was Jordan Lewis let Christian McCaffrey run over him in the like right way towards to the where Christian fumbled directly in his lap. I mean, if not for that kind of weird, fluky thing, you've got another Niners touchdown on the board that really changes the complexion of how we look at this in the aftermath of it all. Again, no one is saying that Dan Quinn is worse than Dak Prescott or offered a worse appearance, but like he should be held to a similar standard, particularly because he is so great. Like to your point, he's been the man for two straight years, but you know what he hasn't done? He hasn't been able to properly clamp down this specific team. And he showed that his young Padawan is now his Jedi master. Like, you know, Kyle Shanahan is Ahsoka to his Anakin Skywalker at this point. I don't know if that analogy fully holds because my wife and I haven't finished this Oka yet, so no spoilers. But, like, Dan Quinn needs to face, like, way more criticism than he is. Like, I'm not saying that Dak's criticism is unwarranted, but Dan is getting, like, a fraction of the smoke that is fair for what he's done. I understand that Dak Prescott – or, no, I understand that Dan Quinn – I understand that that he looked – his defense did not look good against the 49ers. I'm not saying that. But at the end of the day – It looked awful. He allowed 200 rushing yards against the Cardinals in the first half. You want to talk about how the Cowboys offense lost the game for them in the first half against the mm-hmm. Niners? Go for it. Go off. You're completely right. But Dan yeah. Quinn's defense lost the game in the first half for Dallas against Arizona. And we didn't come in with counter, this energy. Though, and I will counter that, though, and say that the Cowboys defense looked much better in that second half of the game. Well, of course and- they did. <laughs> I mean, like, they, it was they a lot did. of But guess what? Dak Prescott wasn't able to do anything in that game. He, this is a bad Arizona Cardinals defense that didn't even have Buda Baker. So who was on that defensive roster at that point on the field? And Dak Prescott Who was on the, the offensive roster? A quarterback who they picked up a month prior that worked Dan Quinn. And we're not even going to sit here and mildly hold his feet to the flames. That's all we're saying. I'm more like, worried about our $40 million quarterback who's probably going to be in $40 the million dollars is cheap for a quarterback cheap right, now, right now. But I, yeah, yeah, no, $40 million is a bargain right now. But we're talking like we got to extend him and we got to make him a $50 plus million quarterback. And then we don't have those resources to to um, fill up our defense the way that we want to and get these free agents. So I, I don't know. I, I'm more worried about the past eight years of Dak Prescott and us being confident in him heading forward than I am about Dan Quinn having two bad games from his defense in a four weeks or, or in a five week span. Of right, so what was, what was the common denominator when Tony Romo was the quarterback and they still couldn't do it? 
Because I know you said I know you said Dak is is no Dak's no Tony Romo, but Tony Romo went as far as Dak Prescott did. I know, I know, but there was a lot. Listen, listen, listen. Tony Romo did not have the defenses. He didn't have Dan Quinn. He didn't have the defenses that Dak Prescott had. He, no, listen, Tony Romo. No, no, all he all he had was the brilliant offensive line he, of Jason Garrett. He also Romo had two Hall of Famers on offense. As far as pass catchers are concerned, has Dak had a pass catcher who is going to be in the Hall of Fame someday? No, I love Dez, but he's not going to the Hall of Fame. Amari's not going to the Hall of Fame in all likelihood. Romo had T.O. like and still peak thriving T.O. and he had Jason Witten for his entire career. He also had a Hall of Famer on the defensive side of the ball and Demarcus Ware, who we don't ever like you know give criticism for for like I don't know the Broncos game ten years ago, but whatever. He's in the Hall of Fame. That's fine. I mean, like again, we, it doesn't have to be. Dak is the only one who sucks. Like we can apply some blame that we can say like Dan Quinn might not be perfect, you know, and that's okay. I He's aspire for the He's job security that he has. He's not perfect. There are definitely moments in his Cowboys career that have not looked well, but at the end of the day, I'm definitely, I'm definitely a lot more concerned about the future of our offense than, our, than the future of our defense heading forward. Okay. So you're pumped because Dan Quinn shut down. Let's, let's check the tape, check the receipts here. Daniel Jones this season who looks like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL Zach Wilson who was in his first full week of starter after the like terrible Aaron Rodgers thing you know six days prior and Mac Jones who looks like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL that might not finish the regular season meanwhile and again not to say that Dak's crimes are any less flagrant Dak Prescott ran into a, a Cardinals mighty defense led by actually a stout defensive mind and Jonathan Gannon, who doesn't get any credit because he had a weird moment in his introductory press conference and the 49ers who own everybody, right? Like who, like, you know what I'm saying? Like we can't just be like, Oh, Dan Quinn is awesome and perfect because he blew out Mac Jones, Zach Wilson and Daniel Jones. I'm just concerned because at the end of the day, this 49ers team has Dak Prescott's number and Dak does not look Listen, they have Dan all, Quinn's number just the this same. Last game, this last the game same they did. <laughs> this last game they did. But I mean, if you look at the other two matchups, I mean, I, I mean, if you look at specifically that second matchup, Dallas's defense did really well, and it was Dak Prescott that lost that game. We talked about that last week on this very roundtable. We think I wouldn't even say we. I'm not going to speak for myself, or for, I'm not going to include myself in this. But a lot of Cowboys fans think significantly more highly of Dan Quinn than they do Mike McCarthy or Dak Prescott. So why is the expectation for him not much higher? If you think if he's this infallible, why don't you expect him to pitch shutout after shutout after shutout after shutout? Why is it acceptable that he allowed 42 points, even though that's a little bit inflated? It's I, I mean, like the NFL is so unpredictable. You can't go three straight years pitching shutouts every single week. That's not the case. That's okay, it. so what if you go like several straight years with the number one offense in the NFL? The quarterback sucks, and we have to get rid of him. But what lost them? What lost them those playoff games? It wasn't the defense; it was the offense. It was what that won quarterback. them the playoff game in Tampa? Yeah, I know, but it was against an eight and nine team. We're just oh. doing a circle right now. We're just doing a circle right now. There's just. I just can't believe that we saw what Dak Prescott did throwing three interceptions, having like a 50 something passer rating, not being able to get a first down in the first four possessions after watching the defense get stops. And we're putting more blame on Dan. We're Quinn. not. We're putting, we're, we're actually just we're trying to put to some blame on. Like, we are willing to acknowledge that Dak Prescott had a really, really bad game. He was super duper, duper concerning and that he was the number one problem in that game. And we're just re enter. I don't think he was and the number we're one. We're refocusing that energy on Dan Quinn right now. Like, no, it's just. We're, we're trying to say there's a list of people who are the problem. And you're like, no, we're only talking about Dak and maybe Mike McCarthy. So, 
I will I give you credit. Uh, you, you did a one-on-three, uh, like, you know, battle really well. Like, it was a vintage game of Mario Party. Like, that's a hard thing to do. So, well done, uh, Chris. By the way, uh, Lord says to finish Ahsoka that it's worth it. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see. It's just kind of boring. Um, all right. That was wild. I don't even know. I, look, this is not a joke. This is where the points are at. So, you know what? Roundtable winner. Uh, the Rodgers block. Yeah, I mean... This is that kind of day. We all need a win. All right. So round table winner is everyone. That's just where we're at. Like yeah, everyone needs. I'm not willing win. to accept that though. I'm oh. sorry. I'm not, willing, I'm not willing to accept that. I'm not willing to accept that. That I RJ does not one people. point from him. So then he loses. I'm not willing um, to accept that I have to share a win with two people who are putting more blame on Dan Quinn than Dak Prescott in that 49ers. They didn't. That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. Because we cannot acknowledge that Dak Prescott was the number one problem in that game, which is just blatant. And that was he obvious. wasn't the number one problem that he game. He was not the number one he problem. Was. He was the number one problem in that game. Um, From the very beginning of that game, Dak Prescott was the number one problem in losing that game. And that doesn't mean that he's the number one problem in every single loss. That's not the case. But he was definitely the number one problem in week fives. Uh, 42 to 10 loss to the San Francisco 49ers. He didn't um, give up eight pressures. He didn't give up sacks. He didn't give up all those wide open touchdowns to George Kittle. You, you mentioned his three interceptions. All those came in, in garbage time. And the his second one was off of a tip ball. The 49ers had a win probability of 96%, and it went up to 98%. The next two, they were already over 99. The interceptions did absolutely nothing to change the shape of the game. Like He played bad, but he was not in any way the one who cost them the game. I just want to say too, I just gained 20 points in the comment section. So technically should <laughs> be a winner. Just I'm just saying if we are sticking to Chris, the rules of the game. Chris, can we just agree <laughs> on one thing? I think we all can agree. I think Fred Warner is a Cowboys killer. I think we all can agree on that. We can, can agree we leave on a positive note. <laughs> he is uh, definitely a Dak killer for sure. That is that is one hundred percent. And well, Tony Pollard too. All right. Yeah. That's enough. <laughs> Let's get out of here. I'm not um, saying that Tony Romo would have won that game. I was just kind of joking. And I was well, Dan Quinn would have a quarterback. We all know hey, that. I Pete mean, Roger Stallback would have won. All right, let's go. I I aspire to have the job security that Dan Quinn does someday. Like, for people to regard me as highly as they do, Dan. Um, I mean. Well, partly we do. We do. Coming off of yeah, yeah, I suppose yeah, right. that coming off that coming something. off of what we saw with Rod Marinelli and how we couldn't get a takeaway to save our lives, and that the Cowboys couldn't get sacks, they couldn't force pressure, they couldn't do whatever they wanted, and then you the mean goal, what they didn't do on Sunday night? Oh, oh yes, wow, that's one, game. <laughs> that's one game. We've seen eight years of the same. It's, it's the it was the game. It was the game. Yes, like we, I know. We I all know. said that they know, went at it like yes, it was their Super Bowl, and yes, in, in the most important game, the way they qualified it, Dan Quinn got none of that, but. Uh, it's cool because he did it against the crappy Patriots the week before. So. It's not no, it's not about just this season. It's about everything. It, my my point is that we've consistently seen Dak Prescott do this. This is not a new thing, in my opinion. We've seen this happen throughout his career several times. It's gonna be a long week. I mean, it's always, it is gonna be a long week. Um, <laughs> and I think Mike McCarthy is on a really hot seat too because because <laughs> listen, listen, listen. It's obvious. It's obvious. But if Mike McCarthy comes out and he gets completely shut down by the chargers and Kellen Moore looks so much better Then that's just a super bad look on him because he's the reason that, um, Kellen Moore is not even on this team anymore. Cause, because we gave him more of a responsibility to be that offensive play caller. So I, I think, think Brian Schottenheimer is the problem. <laughs> look, Chris, I've decided, I understand what, what's going on now. The only way that Dan Quinn will ever get criticism for this is if Mike McCarthy is fired and he's promoted to head coach. Because then when Dan Quinn fails and doesn't win the Super Bowl, people be like, you know what? I didn't 
I, I was out after that 2023 game against the Niners. I knew then that he couldn't lead the whole team. I mean, you know, all this, all the, everyone's just kind of putting these away in, in, in the closet and they're going to, they're going to bust out these receipts when they're ready. It's just crazy to me that we can see two bad games from Dan Quinn in a really long time. Two over the last three weeks. Wow. What a weird reason to harp on these. Well, no, well, no, I'm saying, yeah, yeah. Listen, it's two in the last three weeks, but we are still, we are so ready to just put all the blame on him. But this, same organization is not willing to acknowledge that Dak Prescott is the biggest problem right now on this team. That's not true. All three yeah, of you had Dak on your list. I mean, all three of you were upset about Dak Prescott. Everyone agrees that Dak played horribly. We're just saying that Dan Quinn also had a really bad game and that he's had two really bad games over his last three weeks. All of these things can be true. All right, let's get out of here. Brandon, um, <laughs> As we do, I would like you to tell us why we should all watch Ahsoka. What that? Brandon hasn't even watched that. Yeah, okay. I about that. Brandon hasn't even watched that. <laughs> What's um, that? Okay, Brandon, I would like you to pick a show and tell us why we should all watch it. Yellowstone, Kevin Costner. There you go. Okay, let's let's try this again. Halman, I would like you to pick a show and tell us why we should all watch it. You should watch Ahsoka because it's a great show, and I won't spoil anything, but it has a great ending. Goes out with a bang. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.